0: Hey there, with the West Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern Athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter.
1: I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skouspo.
0: A couple things right off the top uh, before we dive into uh, tonight's episode. Uh, we've got the bowl game coming up on the 23rd. Uh, that's, you know... A week and a half away at this point um we are doing another watch party at beer Miscuous uh for everyone who has joined us there in the past we're going back at 2812 north lincoln avenue uh that's the corner of racine diversity and lincoln uh great spot uh, austin really does a great job takes care of us um we hope to see as many of you there who are not going out to vegas as possible um yeah, we'll we'll be there. It's gonna it's gonna be a really really good time. We also have our bowl challenge. Our through ESPN, uh, we have the links to that up on our website. We have the links to that up on our our Twitter. Um, we'll be you know just having a, a good time there. We've got a, a good group already, and uh, hopefully you can get a bunch more people coming in and and having some fun. Um, speaking of Twitter, John, yeah, you got something cooking?
2: Yeah, we're we've set up next week. We decided we want to have a little fun in the lead-up to the bowl game and revisit this incredible season at the same time, so we're making next week top 50 plays of the season week. Each day of the week, beginning on Monday, from 11 to 3.30, every half hour, we'll be counting down 10 plays a day. We're going to start at number 50 and go all the way to number one and take us back through every great moment of this football season. It's funny, you, Sam, you're, you talked about Beermiscuous and this watch party, and I was thinking, I was like, our relationship with Beermiscuous, relatively speaking, is still kind of young, but I was going through and doing all of the work to prepare this top 50 list, and I'm like, we saw so many of these moments at Beermiscuous. We have already had so many epic times. <laughs> at Miscuous and just thinking, like, we saw the Iowa game there. We saw the Wisconsin yeah. game there. We saw the Illinois game there. It was an epic atmosphere, and hopefully the bowl game is going to be enough of that. But the second thing I would say about this top 50 list is it was really fun to put together. It's going to be really fun for you to all um, enjoy next week, I hope. And it's great to be thinking about fun because of the way that we suddenly – realize we're going to have to start this podcast tonight <laughs> yeah
0: so we were, we were getting ready tonight um you know we're planning our schedules you know it's coming up on the holidays everyone's schedule's gotten a little bit wonky so we're trying to figure out uh you know when when to record and i say yeah hey let's record wednesday night wednesday we'll, night we'll go right after the chicago state game yeah no problem um and problem in fact problem yes problem big problem uh you know, throughout the broadcast, um, well, going into the broadcast, Northwestern was ranked. On Monday, we came out ranked number twenty-five. Finally, uh, finally getting our finally getting our, our dues after uh, beating number one in the country. Um, and then, by the way, you know, no, no,
1: it's, nothing has made me laugh harder the, uh, this past week than um, when that happened. <laughs> and John, John posted the Northwestern beat Purdue. And the and the AP poll was like, you must get us another shrubbery. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Genius. was genius. <laughs> uh,
2: better, Major props be, to you for that. Better days. Better days when we could yeah. be indignant about not being yeah, ranked know. and then finally being ranked. So so during the broadcast, they're talking about
0: how Northwestern has not won a game as a ranked team at Welsh Ryan Arena since 1959. Lord almighty. We were the last the last time we were ranked and won a home game, we were playing out at Allstate during the reconstruction. Um, so, you know, here comes Chicago State, a team that has never in its existence beaten a top 25 team, a team that has never beaten Northwestern, a team that comes in 3-9 and nine after getting curb stomped by some really bad teams. Here they come, coming up from the south side. I mean, I, I live pretty close to Chicago State campus, so I could maybe go over there and, like, poke a hole in the tires of their bus or something <laughs> as they come home. I'm not going to do that. But um, in comes Chicago State. You know, Welsh Ryan is pretty empty. You know, it's it's winter break. It's finals are over. You know, campus is quiet. And you could tell. I mean, the, the atmosphere there was just dead. And then, you know, Chicago State came out, and Wesley Cardet Jr. just lit up for Chicago State. And you know the, the biggest thing is we turn the ball over 14 times, double our season average.
1: Yeah, yep. well, and not and not just turnovers, but steals. Is specifically yeah. steals. Chicago State did a great job attacking um, attacking the ball. They had 13 steals. Um, that's I this this you know like. You kind of got to tip your hat. I mean, Northwestern shot better from the field. They shot better from three. They missed seven free throws. That, you know, could have been the difference in the game um, if they were a little bit better from the stripe earlier on in the game. But um, this came, I mean, is all about the steals and the additional possessions that 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 gave Chicago State. And um, I don't know. It is what it is. It's a bummer.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. I don't think we've even officially meant, mentioned yet, although I'm sure you're all aware now. We lost to Chicago State, <laughs> and we're gonna carry that loss for the rest of the season. I mean, the same way we'll carry that Purdue win for the rest of the season. I don't think that Chicago State game is going to gain luster as the season goes on. I mean, maybe like Sam said, maybe Cardet becomes a star and carries them in conference play, and it gains some luster. But yeah. They're, they're, they're they're an independent. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, throw but, that but, out the board. Yeah.
1: This this stuff happens, right? Like like this is not yeah, a sky no, as far I as mean, like, it does. Like this team is in a different place than the years where, you know, the non-con was so bad that a loss like this could could scuttle the ship because there just wasn't wasn't a path to get Big Ten wins. I mean, for Northwestern to go to the NCAA back to back years, they're going to need to win a bunch of Big Ten games. That's always been true. Um, this is. Unequivocally, a bad loss on the resume. Um, yeah,
0: it's, I, I was just thinking, like you know, you look at the, you know, and the bracketology, the bubble watch. is like good wins, bad losses. Yeah, we got a good win with Purdue. We got a bad loss with Chicago well, State, wh- and that's gonna that's gonna be right. One there. of
1: those things counts a hell of a lot more than the other, and it ain't the Chicago State loss. Right. True. I do True. think it's interesting to look back at. So we played Chicago State last year. Uh, Northwestern won by thirty-one points at home. Um, Cardet had 11 points in that game. Um, Chicago State had six steals. Uh, Northwestern turned the ball over 14 times. Um, shot, you know, pretty similarly. The big difference being for three throws are a little bit worse from the field last year. Um, so that, like, you know, it's one. It's one of those games you kind of chalk it up. Like, ugh, this this didn't go well. Um, you know, the Cats didn't get like. Horrifically out rebounded. It was twenty nine twenty seven. They they had to take out their bigs for a lot. So the way this game played out is that Chicago State playing smaller a smaller lineup, a quicker lineup, um, really you know put Northwestern with Nicholson and Hunger out there, kind of in in uh, in bad shape. And so Northwestern shifted to a much smaller lineup with um, the four guards and nick martinelli and that really paid dividends and they got they got up by i think eight points that was their was their largest lead and then um and then cardet junior just started bombing threes and chicago state was able to come back northwestern faltered down down the stretch um but it like it's interesting even even with that that smaller lineup northwestern still didn't get out out rebounded dramatically so um i think you know some of the the things that people have been concerned about earlier in the season like this is this is just a bad game and and some some breaks didn't go their way and they didn't shoot great from the stripe and that happens
2: it's strange too because i think people are going to look at the fact and they're like people are going to try to draw parallels between say this and purdue and be like well look Edie just poured in points and we had nothing that we could do to stop him Cardett poured in points here and we had nothing to do to stop him it's two different guys playing two totally different positions. I mean, you can look. Nicholson had one foul in this game. Hunger had zero. Well, like, Nick- Nicholson
1: like, only played 20 minutes and Hunger only played seven, right? Like, right.
2: I mean, it was just like this wasn't – it wasn't – like you can't really draw a parallel like that between these games. I mean, I, like, I think as bad as this loss is, if the Cats right the ship here and play the kind of basketball we know and carry this in – and are giving as good as they're getting in conference play, it's possible that the ultimate legacy of this game is people will look back and be like, how did this team ever lose to Chicago State? And then everyone will be like, that game was so weird. It was crickets. There was not a single student in the building. It was just dead. It was this bizarre game that produced a bizarre result. And that is really true. I mean, nothing, I think we've never more felt the presence of the wild side in this crazy environment we've all become used to more than right now when you watch this game tonight and there are like 10 people sitting behind the basket and you're like wow this is so strange and of course when we were in school that was the norm for a (laughs) non-conference game (laughs) pretty much but now you now you notice how stark the difference is
1: there's one other thing that's that's and again i'm just you know i'm box score cruising here so like i don't know the, the 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 why behind this but um Blake Preston did not play a minute in this game after logging, you know, 19 against um, Purdue, in, in large part because both Hunger and Nicholson fell out in that game. But um, it's worth it's worth calling out, Bowie played 38 minutes, Langboard played 40, Barnheiser 39, and Tyberry 34. That certainly wasn't the plan tonight for those guys to play that many minutes against Chicago State. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Nicholson only played 20 because he got spelled... He was spelled early by hunger, and then the, like it just wasn't working. So they put in Martinelli. That that was a, that was much stronger. But like, you didn't see Clayton. You didn't Mullins had zero zero minutes. Clayton was out there for three. Um, no Blake Preston. Like, I didn't really think depth was going to be a concern for this team. But if we're asking those four guards to go, thir- you know, thirty seven minutes a night, that's a that's a tall order. Yeah,
0: and and Bowie got. His shoulder got a little nicked up, too, when he was diving for a loose ball. Something something was off. And um, I was just looking at post uh, postgame press conference, and he doesn't think it's going to be an issue, but yeah, that's something to just kind of keep an eye on.
2: Again, like, I think to to draw parallels to, I think, when we were in school, or even some of the lower days of the Collins era, I think... There are a lot of times 73 points would have been a hard number to get to. We've watched many, many Northwestern teams squ- score way, way less points than that, right? And here this team scored 73 points while having an absolute nightmarish day in terms of getting turning the ball over, right? They turned the ball over 14 times. They still scored 73 points. And you can look and be like, look, Barnheiser had a good day shooting the ball. Langborg had a good day shooting the ball. Langborg Bowie had a had- great day shooting the ball. Yeah, He
1: was, the he was 5 of 6 from 3. <laughs> right.
2: And it's like – and Bowie – for, by his standards, didn't have an amazing day, but it was fine. I mean, Barry was off, but you're always going to have one guy off um, in any given in any given night. And you just look through and be like, look, it's a collection of factors, right? That it was like you'd couple that, that crazy amount of turnovers that kept Northwestern from just blowing Chicago State out of the barn, regardless of what Chicago State did, and you couple that with Cardat having a transcendent game, and those two things were just enough for Chicago State to eat out a two-point win. I mean, it, it it is. It sucks. It sucks because we're going to have to eat this loss the entire season. But I don't think that there is any kind of sky is falling thing that can be taken out of this. This was a weird game where a lot of things went squirrely, and it was just enough for us to barely lose.
1: Yeah. Well, they got, you know, they got, um, maybe they got a little complacent after you know, waxing Detroit Mercy yeah. so effectively, right, um, a few days days ago. But they got at DePaul on Saturday and then um, hosting Arizona State the following Wednesday. So, like, I don't know. How, I don't think either of those teams are that good, but um, they're not the type of squads you can take lightly. Um, right. So they've got a – it's probably good that, I think, they, that they, you know, have some opponents coming up to really knuckle down and focus and bounce back.
2: Right. And, I mean, I think – By this point last year, I mean, no, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I guess my math is. But, I mean, I think of we went to Cancun and played that absolutely horrific basketball game, which I don't think we've gotten to that point left in the calendar. And, again, Auburn was a ranked basketball team at the time. Both of those teams scored, like, 40. like low 40s points. I mean, yeah, it was like 41 to 40 years. It was a, like just a rock, right? Light. Like by this point in the season, we had watched Northwestern play some pretty awful basketball, and I think of DePaul as one of those games where they went to DePaul and delivered a beatdown, and that was one of the ones where you kind of went, "Oh, whoa!" So, I think our standards and expectations for this team are so high now, and I mean, there's no getting around how rough of a loss this is. But I mean, I think our expectations still. This team's going to climb back on the horse and do what needs to be done.
1: Just to double down on what you're yeah. saying there, John. So, so the the losses to Auburn and Pitt were in um, were late November, were base, basically around Thanksgiving, and then they came off of those beating Michigan State on the road. Right? That was kind of that was that was the whoa, whoa, what's mm-hmm. going on moment moment. Um, beat Prairie View A and M, and then you know had DePaul, UIC, Brown before getting into into Big Ten, uh, Big Ten play. So kind, kind kind of a similar story this year. It's just the the, the loss. Has come post the big you know wow factor win, and uh, now they got to knuckle down to get through December, the holidays, et cetera, and then they've got you know Illinois out the gate on what the second of January. So um, yeah, but I like this team. You know, we we we've seen their mental resolve um, for two years running. You know, I, again this is this is a bad game. There's there's nothing about you know. Boo -boo Booey or these other guys that has, that has changed dramatically and they just need to knuckle down and, and, uh, and come back and and take care of business.
0: You know, honestly, it, it, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world to get, you know, popped on the chin once. Right. You know, to remember like, Oh, we like, we can't take anyone lightly. You know, it's a wake-up call wish
1: they could have got a gotten popped in the chin and then like figured it out in those last couple minutes sure. but, say, yeah, sure. say, absolutely. we would
2: absolutely have, we would have spent five minutes on this game and then moved on yeah exactly that. but I, I will say one other thing is we've already talked about that Kayla Cohen and the Wildside leadership command a larger more powerful group of students at these basketball games than, than just about any wildside leadership group has ever commanded in the history of Northwestern and right now all of those kids are sitting home right now all those students spread all over the country sitting watching this game being like I needed to be there and they're going to carry that energy back for the rest of the season those fans are going to come back with a vengeance being like if I'd been there and we'd all been there Northwestern would have had just enough to win this game and I'm going to make sure I'm here the rest of the way
1: there's there's a lot of um, this is the worst loss we've ever seen uh, vibe happening on Twitter right now. I think probably in, in large part because Chicago State is so poorly ranked. But like, hold, hold my beer, folks. Like, <laughs> don't don't make me go back through the last twenty years of Northwestern basketball to prove you wrong. Like, this is like it sucked. It was bad. But it's come on.
2: Let's let's Scuzz and I talk about uh, what was it in. Two, was it two thousand or two thousand one? Watching Northwestern get down something like thirty something nothing to whatever it was Illinois before Aaron Jennings scored a basket to make it to get our first two points of the game and the entire stadium went absolutely bananas. That's like, yeah, it's all relative. This team is so far beyond what else you know what we've seen and and they're gonna prove it the rest of the year.
0: Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Lake Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312 312- 4469435 or J at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand story. So what we wanted to talk about tonight and like what, and what we will get to talking about right now is uh, is the bowls. Um, you know, we mentioned last week, you know that we weren't going to go too far in, deep into uh, bowl season. Um, but it's coming up on us and you know, the the bowls are starting real, real soon. Again, want to uh, remind everyone our, our bowl challenge on ESPN is up. Uh, look for links on our website, westlawpirates.com or on Twitter. I'd uh, love to see as many people there as possible. But uh, you know, we, we wanted to push that off a little bit just because the transfer portal was opening up a million, million things have been happening with the transfer portal um yeah you know, the us supreme court is now saying it's okay or the, there's some federal uh you know law stuff that is saying like they're looking at the one time transfer rule and kind of throwing that out so theoretically you know you could transfer every year if you wanted Yeah, i think and i think I think,
1: that I think in west virginia somebody sued and they um they basically said like yes this person can transfer so
2: and i think this this transfer portal season has already had exponentially more movement than I think any precedent in the young history of the transfer portal. And now you're adding this into the mix. So, um, you know, knock wood, it hasn't too, too affected Northwestern thus far. Um, certainly relative to Utah, but yeah, it's, it's silly season for sure.
0: So I think we won- what we want to do tonight is kind of talk about the bowls in a, in a kind of a larger scope of things. And, you know, we want to go into like the, the, what the big 10 bowls are, um, you know, who, who the big 10 is playing. I, I don't want to re-legislate the Florida state versus Alabama debate. That's been, that's played out. It is what it is. It sucks for Florida state. Um, great. You know, you, you want to hear talking heads yell about that, turn on any sports network, any that you want to, and, They'll yell at you. I I just don't want every every
1: every blue blood has experienced beneficial treatment at some point.
2: We're we're all look like we've all expended tons of oxygen on it. I'm just not going to do it here. (laughs) We have have other things to other things on our plate.
0: So as as we look at um, you know the bowls and you know Northwestern's place in the bowls, I, I think now would be a great time to get into our Lake the Post segment presented by Teamworks Media. Um, Jay gave us this week uh, some really good kind of numbers and you know put on on one sheet of paper where Northwestern has played in bowl games, the history of Northwestern in bowl games, where we stand in the rest of like against the rest of the big 10 and in terms of bowls in terms of winning percentage in terms of appearances um and i i think we want to you know we'll, we'll start with that i mean northwestern has been to 15 different bowl games this uh the vegas bowl will be our 16th bowl game actually
1: actually no and, no, it's it's nope. 16 bowls and vegas bowl is number 17
0: bowls. oh okay yes that that is a miss that's misnumbered in in the ranking there so Yes, you're absolutely right. 16 bowl games. This will be 17. Um, we've been to 12 different sites. Is that right, mm-hmm. Eric? And this is going to be our 13th uh, 13th site. Um, and, you know, North- Northwestern's ranking, uh, their record in bowls is 6 and 10 overall. Um, but, you know, most of those wins have, have come lately. You know, the, the most recent wins are, I mean, well, well one win
1: in the we, very first bowl
0: and then a lot in the most no, recent. And then nothing until, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, So where where should we start? I mean, I, 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 think, I think we should.
2: I think, yeah. well, I think one of the things we were looking at is, is like you were saying, Jay put all this data together that allowed us to kind of look and see all of the bowls laid out with, you know, like a, a refresher for all of us. And again, like we'll we'll kind of talk about it, but some of us were at some of these games. Like if you spread the three of us out, we've been at a bunch of these different games. Sometimes multiple ones of us were at the same game and other times it was one person was at one game. But it was 10 really of used... the
1: 16 have had a Westlot pirate in attendance.
2: Right. So so with all that, this document that, that we're all looking at right now, that Jay sent us, was kind of a way for us to access all those memories and go back through and I think what we we're trying to do is on the front end, put this bowl in context relative to the elements and be like, all right, well, like, where does this one fit in terms of significance? Now, obviously, a ton of the significance that we ascribe to bowls, a lot of times is low, is based on like what happens in the bowls. But a lot of it also is based on the kind of season that we had, like, and where that fits, et cetera. And it's funny, like, I'm looking at a lot of these lists and I'm sort of, I find myself looking at like... Those two Alamo Bowls, or certainly the Missouri Alamo Bowl and that UCLA Sun Bowl, and kind of I'm I'm slotting so I think based on this list, Jay ranked them by in in his mind, significance. And those two bowls, like that Missouri Bowl, the UCLA bowl, in this, this kind of je ne sais quoi for overall significance come in sometime around like the eight, 9, 10 spot. And that's sort of where I find myself slotting this game because, again, as we I think we've said so often, we really do think this is a really significant season. We know we're preaching to the choir here. You all feel the same way. But this is truly a special season. And Braun got coach of the year because of just how special this season is. So I'm kind of trying to factor that in. And I think of that and I think, well, in my mind, that puts this ahead of the 2005 Sun Bowl for me um and then I think of like that 2008 Missouri game like I don't know like again like I I I do like that one just doesn't match up to me but then you know for me and and I think you know probably for you guys even more so because I think at least you scuzz were at the game for the 2000 Alamo Bowl game like I might put that ahead of this only because again, we won the big 10 that year and I'll always associate that with that game. And even though that game didn't go well for us at all, like the significance going into that game, you know, was, was at least if not more so on par with this, but that's the kind of discussion I find myself having in my own head. I don't know how you guys feel.
1: Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Cause so, like there's, so there's a prestige associated with bowls. Right. So like, the last one on this list, and appropriately so, is the two thousand and three Motor City Bowl. I mean, Northwestern was six and six that year. Um, we we were a seven point underdog to Bowling Green in Detroit, and I think that kind of like sums it up. We ended up losing by four. It was a close game. They had a dynamite quarterback. It was the year after Urban Meyer left Bowling Green, so he'd obviously built you know uh, a really strong program there. But um, it wasn't. It wasn't a notable Northwestern season outside of the fact that here after, you know, we had, we had the, the epic 2000 year and then two years of real misery. Um, before Randy Walker found, you know, started, started to find the footing to, to build. I've I've often said Randy Walker, you know, built the first foundation for Northwestern in terms, you know, Barnett had those two incredible seasons, but, by the time he left Northwestern was back to not square one, but there was, there wasn't a, there wasn't a foundation of, of success that was sustainable within the program yet. And I felt like, like Walker really started to, to, to put us on that journey going bowling in 'o three, going bowling again in 'o five, and, and the, the nuts and bolts being there for, for Fitz to pick up and, and go forward. Um, But regardless, I, like, I've almost, I've spent too much time talking about it already. Like, that's obviously the lowest bowl on the list. Um, Ticket City, you know, in 2010, that was, you know, that was the year where Northwestern was looking pretty hot to trot before a injury. And then, you know, things fell apart. We ended up losing that game. That was, that was the birth of our podcast was the, the preamble Um, right around this time of the year was the very first podcast we recorded previewing that game and, and the, uh, the 2020 the 2010 bowl season so it's notable from from uh from our perspective but it wasn't a very meaningful bowl right so like there's there's a lot of those like a and um I, I like jay's got the 2015 outback bowl rated pretty low that actually i mean that year was the year that northwestern if you were i forget the the the, the numeric t-shirts that they put out after that season or, or going into the next year but there was some like oh the, like like
0: 150 like 1 minute and 53 seconds yeah or something like something that. Like, it was like
1: they were only they only like, were losing oh, for a minute and 53 seconds that entire season because you know michigan hit that deep bomb to set up you know a game winning score F- very, false start very late in that game <laughs> yeah. um and there were a couple other like absolute last minute losses where where northwestern just you know they were so close to being um Nah, not so close to being undefeated, but like the margin of loss in the three games that they lost that year was, was so minuscule. Um, so
0: I, and happened so late. Yeah. So that, like
1: yeah. that season, I would probably, I would probably bump that up over the sun bowl. I'd bump it up over, over the 08, you know, Alamo bowl for sure. Um, and it, but, but it, you know, it is, it is hard. Like the pinstripe bowl season, 2016 is probably the best offense we've seen from Northwestern in the last eight or 10 years. Right. Um, yeah, and they won that game. They were they were four point underdog to to Pitt. They, they you know, Justin Jackson was an absolute dynamo. Um, you've got Anthony Walker, you know, stopping Pitt at the one yard line, stopping uh, James Conner right at the one and yard immediately
2: line. Immediately after JJ breaks his run.
1: Yep. So I mean, it was a beautiful game, John. You were there, um, mm-hmm. like leading up to it, like in like to compare to compare this upcoming bowl game against utah this las vegas bowl game against utah to that pinstripe bowl game against Pitt. i don't see a whole heck of a lot of difference between other than what you said john about like the the, the weight of the season because of expectations and, and what has come before and everything that happened over the summer and the the you know phenomenon that's been david braun but the game itself doesn't like the pit that that win over Pitt rises up because because it was a win so we haven't experienced that yet so that that's the that's the part i'm probably probably struggling with most um from the historical context standpoint is just like the weight and the the pedigree of the game in advance yeah i i i don't think we
0: can actually rate this one until after the game until we see what kind of a game it is i mean if we come out and just handle utah you know it, it, it'd be an upset utah's favorite in this one um that will definitely kick it up
2: several slots. I think you know? I think the other thing too is you mentioned the pinstripe bowl and it got me thinking about this in a different way um, and thinking about it from like Jay's perspective too because <clears throat> a big piece of this for a lot of you and for us too is aside from the season that led into the game and what happened in the game itself, what was your significance in the lead up to the game? If you went to the game – What kind of experience did you have in the Mm run-up to the game? What kind of experience did you have in the game? Obviously, for anyone who went to the Rose Bowl, it's going to be their number one, right? Yeah, Jay is on that list. Um, I think anyone who was in that group, the fact that Northwestern, you know, lost that game and had them get get away from them late is just distant background noise to anyone who was there. Anyone who went to the Rose Bowl parade, right, well, and, then, and, any,
1: and anyone who hasn't act, like actually watched that, like Northwestern had a lead in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of that game. Yep. Facing like, I mean what ultimately undid them in that game was Keyshawn Johnson, who was the number one overall draft pick in the NFL. Like an app, like an yep. absolute dynamo of a wide receiver that torched us for 200 plus yards. Um, Cause he did that to little, literally everyone that season. But like, I think it was probably I was probably ten years into my Northwestern fandom before I actually watched a replay of that game and realized that Northwestern had a lead in the fourth quarter. It's just yep. an important. It's an uh, important oh yeah. marker.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it was it was a great game. I mean they they didn't get the win, but aside from that, it was a great game. But on the backs of this phenomenal experience, right? Like everyone yep. will tell you the stories of going out to Pasadena and going to the parade and then standing in the Rose Bowl and just being like, "Oh my God, I'm here!" and everything that came along with that. So for anyone who was in that group, which predates us, um, not by a lot, but predates us by a little bit, um, that's that's going to be their number one. And I think for for the rest of us, it really, which games were you at and what kind of experience did you, experiences did you have at that game? Obviously, for a lot of you who are able to travel to the Vegas game, I think your expectations are sky high because it's Vegas, first of all, um, and I'm sure you all have plans on what you're going to do. and. Northwestern Vegas gatherings and everything. And then this unbelievable, you know, sparkling new stadium, you're going to get to watch this football game. And for me, like I haven't been to a lot of the bowl games. I've been to one. So obviously like that one, the pinstripe bowl, the 2016 pinstripe bowl is a huge deal for me because not only that, it was a great experience. And anyone was there tell you that Yankee stadium was packed. It was at least half Northwestern fans and we were loud and proud. And like, it was like, Northwestern carried an atmosphere in that game and it was awesome but it was Yankee Stadium and in the lead up to the game I mean there was a a small area inside Yankee Stadium I met Joe Girardi I'm photo with Joe Girardi and my wife and I and then you know we met Anna Gosteyer and talked with her for a long time and saw a bunch of other people and just had this unbelievable experience and then the game itself of course was awesome and to be watching it in Yankee Stadium so Because of that, I'm going to always put that game really high on my personal list, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way about your experiences.
1: You know what's funny is um, a game that is really really high on my list, frankly, because I had an absolute ball. You you could say I had a I'm sorry, Charlie Murphy, I was having too much fun experience at that game, (laughs) and that's the uh, the 2005 Sun Bowl. I had a blast. Well, well lubricated were you, Gus? Extremely. (laughs) um yes i mean all we all all were all of our friends were there it was a good time they were selling giant beers in the stadium with like at, at that point i had been to the 2000 alamo bowl game where i was in the band i had been to the 2003 motor city bowl game where i really didn't Which was in detroit it was in detroit and i really didn't know what i was doing in fact i think sam i think did did we drive up to that together we did the day, yeah, the day I of
0: us moved back to Chicago from living in Las Vegas for a few years. And we drove up to, to Detroit together. Yeah. yeah. It was
1: like, it, it was, um, it was like, I don't think we, we didn't even tailgate or anything. We just drove no, up. We, we,
0: we drove up and we stayed at, uh, I think we crashed a night at, uh, James Clock's yeah, parents Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Like one night and back. Right. So one night n- and not back, that much. of yeah. experience. I had a ball at the symbol. We were in El Paso for like, close to a week or maybe five or five or six days you might wonder why we went to el paso for that long hey like all of our friends were there we had a great time um yeah they were i feel like you're describing
2: i feel like you guys woke up in juarez at least like one one day on this trip
1: surprisingly no um but but that Dan did go, like,
0: Dan and Carrie did go get a hat. Yes, yes, there were. And the big-ass belt buckle from Juarez. There were
1: some sojourns to Juarez, but the, but like the fact that there was there were large beers served at the game was an experience that really none of us had had before. Um, yeah. And then it... Uh, and and that, jug, that juggler. The juggler, yeah. It, the it, juggler. All, it all ended poorly, obviously, for a lot, a lot of different <laughs> reasons, but um, it was... I have such fond memories ex, except for, you know, the, the second half of that game, basically.
0: I have a very similar feeling about the uh, the Outback Bowl against Auburn. Like that was such a fun weekend, you know. Like staying down in Tampa, wandering around. We we went to a really really cool New Year's Eve party um, in Ybor City, and you know got some like nice cigars and we're just really having a, a good time. And you know the game was insane. It was like, and I, re- I remember we we lost the game, and it was just like a gut punch, but it was like you look back and it's like that game was insane. You know? But it was it was it really didn't diminish the 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 time we spent down there. It was just a really, really good time.
2: And were either of you at the Gator
0: Bowl?
1: I was I was there and it was um that is the uh there is that's the that's that that's the one time I've really I've really shed tears over Northwestern football. I mean, there there were some moments this year that that hit pretty hard. Um, that's the one t- like when that game ended, and we we had won, and, and it wasn't you know it was not a last second win, but when that game ended and we had won, um, and the proverb you know both <laughs> proverbial and literal monkey um given that they had a they had a stuffed monkey that the team carried around with them um was off our back um that was that was a real moment um and then i because that game was on i believe that game was new year's eve and then we all, it was, we all went out that no night. it was it was new year's day was it new year's day okay it was new year's day really wow yeah um okay i was um I had a lot more endurance in 2012 than, than I, than I recall. But uh, regardless, that was, that was a really fun, that was a really fun, meaningful uh, experience. Um, g- g- given the win, given how exciting that team was, how much fun they were. um, There's, there's a good reason Jay has that number three on his list. It probably would be, you know, uh, one, one row higher for me. Um, I mean, the 48 Rose Bowl is a big deal because they won it but, um,
2: did you enjoy your experience at the 48 Rose Bowl? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: negative 32 years old. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like I think that's one of the takeaways from going through this list is there are a lot of things that everyone loosely agrees on, right? Like you yeah. heard like, obviously Rose Bowl is right up at the top. Gators right up at the top, right? Like citrus is right up at the top and there are a couple, but then it very quickly becomes, well, why was it significant to you? what was special about it to you? Was there a specific thing about the game or a specific experience you had that will always associate? One of the other things that I think is near and dear, I think to Sam and I, because we're going to be hosting this watch party at Beer Miscuous for this game is what are other games we've hosted watch parties for? And there were two other ones. Um, yeah. West, Westlaw Pirates ones, both of which the, the fun of the watch party was great. One experience was very different than the other one. The first was, they were both in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and the first one we held, there used to be a movie theater in downtown Arlington Heights, and it changed hands for a bunch of different times before COVID finally killed it. But briefly, they were really running a big-time boutique out experience there with, like, good food and everything, and, and there never seemed to be people in there, and I was like, how are they possibly affording this? But nonetheless... While that situation was really good, we rented out an entire movie theater and packed it full of people to watch that twenty fifteen Outback Bowl game. The Tennessee game. Man. And it was such a great experience. We had it packed. We all had food. It was the perfect place and atmosphere to watch a game. It was like being at the ESPN zone and having it full of you know, of all Northwestern people. And then the game absolutely sucked. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. It was it was so bad, and then uh, you know the one touchdown we scored, everyone went bananas, and that was the only takeaway. The Music City Bowl was very much a different experience. That game was insane, and we did that at a place. Oh gosh, in downtown Arlington well, no, Heights, you, you you did that by yourself. Oh, that's was, right, you weren't there.
0: Eric and I were there. Yeah. That's
2: right, that's right. You guys were at that game. So I was. So I or, I did that one by myself, but we had a, another really good crowd there, um, in a in a bar right in downtown Arlington Heights. That was a really big spot. And that game, of course, was much more dramatic. And, you know, we were all standing there and everything was going crazy. And, you know, Alvidi stepped in and did his little hero act when Thorson went down. And it was great. Um, and it was very much wire to wire and crazy right down to the end. But, I mean, I'll always associate those games with the experience that I had at those watch parties. And, you know, I think that's the thing. I'm, I'm already looking forward to be promiscuous and thinking about the memories we've already had there this season and being like, that's going to be an inextricable, inextricable part of the bowl game experience to me too. So yeah, when you add it all up, everyone's experience for every bowl is different. And there's that like special sauce that everyone has that goes into, you know, what their own personal list is. I,
1: I, I can't help myself. You bring up music city. So Sam and I were what, like 30 ish yard line. Second, uh, second no, row, was, first row. It was second row. It, it wasn't the th- yeah, it might have been about around the thirty yard 30, line. Thirty, thirty-five. Yeah. I don't know, but like we're like we're right behind the Northwestern sideline, and um, the tent, the tent is right in the, front of the us. The blue tent. The in, yes, the, the blue tent. The injury tent, which that night we we probably saw <laughs> half the team and half the coaching staff dip into the tent at some point to pee into a cup, and some poor grad assistant that had to go pour those things out <laughs> somewhere else. It was like. The, the group of us who were standing there when we when we realized what was happening just started dying laughing. Uh, was it was, was so incredible. funny.
2: I wonder, like you just you just so wanted to be like, and that grad assistant was Marcus Freeman or something. random thing. like some big time kicker at the end of the story? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it, it's funny and again it's like like I said, we're all three of us staring at this Excel spreadsheet that has all you know, the facts and the figures of, of all the games and to see it all laid out in front of you like that, yeah. Like you you definitely see I think if if we were all a little bit younger, um, or a little bit older as we talked about, just relative to the Ireland game and, and having not having our kids in the exact sweet spot that they're in right now. I think we'd be where a ton of you are right now, which is prepared to get on a plane to Vegas. And I mean, it's Vegas. Your experience is always going to be inextricably linked with whatever you do in Vegas relative to this football game. And I think for a lot of people, just being able to roll into a casino and go to a whole section of a casino with, you know, craps and roulette and whatever else and just have it knee deep in Wildcat fans, that's going to be an inexperience in and of itself. I can only imagine being at like a roulette, you know, watching the roulette wheel spin and having a number hit and having everyone at the table and everyone at all the surrounding tables be Northwestern fans. I mean, there's an extent where it's like the game can go how the game is going to go. You're always going to take experiences like that away with you, and I'm psyched that a ton of you get to have those experiences.
1: M- much like yeah. with last year's NCAA tournament birth, um, I think we're, you know, for those of you who are who are traveling and are, are willing to share, like, help us live vicariously through your experience. Cause you know, the, the three of us aren't going to be yes, able to please. make it
2: and much, Ireland. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. The proximity to Christmas has been tough, but like Ireland's the best example, right? We had so many people sending photos of the gatherings and the places that people were going and, and the experience of exploring, you know, the city and the country, et cetera. Um, that was such a cool, a cool thing. And just, we invite anybody, anybody who's, who's willing share, share, um, on social media, uh, flip stuff our way we'll be happy to to broadcast it further or just you know celebrate with you from afar um you know to, to your point john the experience is the experience and whether that's you know checking out the gambling scene or hitting up you know nice restaurants just enjoying the view of the strip hope hopefully they've, they've removed all the uh, all the fencing and barriers from the f1 race uh, a few weeks ago <laughs> um so, sounds like that was a problem for tourists unfortunately <laughs> so um but yeah enjoy it and um May we be talking about this as an experience, you know, after the game that is um, buoyed by uh, by by a,
0: a W. This like the post segment was brought to you by Teamworks Media. If you're looking to enhance your company's brand story, contact Jay Sharman, Jay at TeamworksMedia.com, three one two four four six nine four three five. Again, Jay, thank you so much for for the historical context, and um, definitely look forward to uh, to talking about this with with. Jay and anyone else who wants to, like, like John said, anyone who wants to share with us, um, hit us up on social media. We'd love to hear your stories
2: and uh, and tell them to the world. And come make some memories with us at Beer Miscuous as well. If you're if you're still in the city, you know, we can have our own party right here.
1: You guys know that I desperately want to drive up for this bowl game. I just don't <laughs> think it's going to. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be in the cards. But uh, but a drive
0: up, you'd be able to drive back and you wouldn't be uh, beholden on a flight from vegas I, on Christmas I, Eve.
1: I i know but um at at this stage if 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 i can't bring somebody with me um mm. i'm getting a lot of side eye
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i i hear that because we can set it up you can you can walk into beer miscuous and then wake up in el paso the next day who knows how to <laughs> how <it'll> go down <laughs> if it
1: was if it was a 2 p.m game Robbie and I would be there with bells on. Nice. If you or a loved
0: one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinsen opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go cats! So we wanted to uh, you know, talk about the rest of the Big Ten and, and the rest of the Big Ten Bowl games and kind of look around the, the landscape of the bowls just to see any games that really st- uh, pop out at us, you know. Obviously, you know, all the attention is being given to, to the playoff. And, you know, that that's kind of what it's all beca- it's all turned into. And, you know, if you're not in the playoff, it's just a, an exhibition. But, you know, you, you look through the these Big Ten games and, you know, you can definitely see storylines, you know, in, in a bunch of these games. Um, you know, obviously, we're the first game up. Uh, you know, Utah's seven-point favorite. The over-under is 41.5 as we record this on uh, Wednesday the 13th.
2: Uh, I see you're uh, not counting UCLA and the LA Bowl then, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, I'm not. Because they are not officially Big Ten yet. I, I, I believe
0: that doesn't happen until after fair, the spring. So fair. while the Pac-12 still exists, uh, we'll go ahead and leave them there. I will. I do want to come back to that game in, in just a, a bit, but um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the Lane Bowl in Detroit. Bowling Green, Minnesota. Minnesota at five and seven is a three and a half point favorite. Um, Caliak Manis is, uh, entered the transfer portal. Uh, have no idea who's playing for either of these teams.
1: Uh, like, what does that mean for Minnesota to not have Caliak Manis in this game?
2: I, he, good like, question.
1: He's like Cole Kramer, who I, th- I, I believe, I believe is, Oh no, I'm wrong. Um, I was going to say, I think he's a converted tight end, but he, so he's a senior, he's, he's a normal sized senior football player. He attempted one pass this year. It was, it was an interception. Kelly <laughs> <laughs> <And> Ekmanis <laughs> attempted the other 294. I don't know what Minnesota does in this game. If Ethan doesn't play and we know Darius Taylor struggled with injuries. Maybe he's going to be back by this time. Like. Jordan Newbin was reasonable as as a as a fill in starting running back. Um, they have a decent receiver in Daniel Jackson, but like, I mean, you're you're literally starting from <clears> scratch <throat> at the quarterback position, and not even somebody who has played before at all. And it it, it like it's, it's and it's preposterous.
2: Well, not only that too, but then there's a the hard thing of like, who even knows whether or not Ethan kaliak Montes is even going to play in this game? He might. Like, this is the that, same thing with Utah's Yeah, that's true. Like, he might, yeah. Half the quarterbacks in the country are in the friggin' portal right now. Like, yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, it's all pr- unprecedented. And, like, you have all these teams being, like, like, clearly Utah's one of them, where it's, like, five years ago, the idea of a guy having one foot in the portal and playing in a bowl game would have been preposterous. Now it just might be the order of the day, because otherwise there are going to be no quarterbacks playing in <laughs> any of these well, games.
1: Well, just to, like, just to play armchair psychologist, like... There is no upside for Kalikmanis or any other quarterback with an interest in transferring to play in a bowl game. And the reason is that, like, so first and foremost, injury, right? But, Mm -hmm. like, if if you look great in a bowl game, I don't know that that necessarily boosts your profile as a transfer QB because these games are so goofy. I don't think any coaches are evaluating your bowl game tape and bowl game tape alone to really like, oh wow, he played great in the quick lane bowl. I guess like, yeah, let's go after him. Like, like the upside is almost nil, and the downside, you get injured, you look like crap. Um, that like, and and like,
0: your teammates know that you're leaving them, exactly. Right? So, so, and, and, and it's not it's not like you're a senior, you're graduating. Yes. It's like, you're you're piecing out you're saying i i'm at unless
1: you've got a really unique situation where it's like guys i gotta move back home because i've got a family member who's sick or i'm just like i'm miserable i'm struggling like i i i would i would imagine there's some smaller percentage of these transfers where the team I, i think generally players are super player supportive but yeah no doubt there is a chemistry factor there and are you going to ball out for a guy who you know is leaving? Now, what's what's crazy. I mean, you look at Minnesota's roster, right? So, Kalik Manas I mentioned Cole Kramer who attempted again one pass this year. It was an interception. There are two other quarterbacks on the roster. Max um Jansky, who is a sure. true freshman and Drew Viado who is also a true freshman from Canada no less. So, Unless Minnesota's running the wing T, I I just don't like, like, whoa, cats. This is, this is, this does not look good.
2: Were, so are they, were they the number one APR team? Did they get in immediately after uh, they, James they, Madison yes. and yes. Jacksonville they, State? Okay. They got in as the APR team. Gotcha. I
1: guess we should have maybe led with that. Like Minnesota went five and seven and still going to a bowl because they had good academics.
2: yeah, and grad, and grad, I, good, Graduation rate. I mean, good for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you got the pinstripe bowl on Thursday, December 28th, Rutgers and Miami. Um, Miami, I know that their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, is transferring to Wisconsin. Um, yeah, so who knows who's going to be starting a quarterback for Miami. Rutgers, uh, Monongah is coming back for, for the next year. They just extended Greg Shiano through 2030 Um, for whatever that means. I mean, it means nothing, but it's, you know, they they announced that uh, Miami is a one point favorite. The over under is forty one and a half. Is Wimsit
1: I mean, in the portal?
2: No, I don't think so. I haven't seen I, his name. The I mean, it's the the weird thing about this is again, like as we've established, if only we could play that Rutgers game again. Because like both of these teams have our our team and their team have been total opposite trajectories. Rutgers was six and two, and then it's just crashed out of the whole back half of the season. And lucky for them, there's a bowl in their backyard that happily will take them to get as many Rutgers guys as possible. But then on the other hand, like Miami is right, they're they're a mess and they're a mess at quarterback right now. We were joking; it's funny that. Miami, you know, looks like they need a new head coach and by far the best fit for them in every way was Manny Diaz, but they just fired him like two or three years ago. (laughs) It's like they've literally already run that scenario out and obviously Manny Diaz is going to Duke, but um, yeah, I mean, I think Rutgers probably has enough to eke this out just on the basis of the fan support. I mean, as weird as this is to say, that's going to be a very partisan Rutgers crowd probably at that game.
0: I mean I can't imagine a bunch of Miami fans no. are excited about going to New York City negative <laughs> at the end of December, like right after Christmas. My, Miami historically
1: Miami historically does not do well in cold weather bowl games. That being said, like so Tyler Van Dyke struggled with injuries this year. The one game that he did not play was when they took Clemson to double overtime and Emory Williams, a true freshman, came in and performed pretty well. Um so unlike the Minnesota scenario, there's a you know reasonable option here for uh, to take over for Miami if, if Van Dyke has, uh, has has opted not to play in addition to transferring.
0: Uh, next day, uh, December 29th, you've got the Cotton Bowl uh, in Dallas, Missouri, and Ohio State. Uh, Missouri is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, over under is forty eight and a half. So I like th- the. Is that is that a like all the Ohio State quarterbacks are out?
2: Like Kyle McCord is is pieced out. Marvin Harrison's going to the NFL. I don't know is Kyle McCord coming back? I like try to follow this as as it goes. <laughs> but it's like the last time I checked, <laughs> he was like literally like walking into his dorm room in like in Lincoln, and now apparently is pieced out. So I don't know not, what the heck is going. on Not there.
1: going to Nebraska, but not coming back to Ohio State yet either.
2: Yeah, so I, I don't know. I
1: assume Marvin Harrison is sitting this game out.
2: I'm sure he is. Yeah.
0: I. I I don't know if I've seen it or not, but like he he would there's no ups, zero upside for him to play. This I
1: mean, the thing is, is like the 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 is Luther Burden. So Luther Burden is is the amazing all everything wide receiver for for Mizzou, who actually has better stats, I think, than Marvin Harrison in some ways. Um, is he's listed as a sophomore. Um, he's only played two seasons, so I, I don't know that he's eligible for the NFL draft yet. Um so he might be he might be playing, but I don't think like, this is a game Missouri has been such a weird team all year. They went ten and two. But
2: what's the line on this game?
1: Mizzou by uh two and a half. That yeah.
2: makes perfect sense to me. I'm just like yeah.
1: I mean Missouri smoked Tennessee, who is ranked. They beat a ranked Kentucky on the road they're they lost very good tied yeah. to LSU they beat a ranked Kansas State like they've got a really legit resume and yet I st- like I just see their name and I'm like eh
2: but that's I mean like they have so much more to play for Ohio State is still like the Michigan game was everything for them they lost that game and then they didn't get into for Missouri this game is huge they want to win this and the other thing too I keep going back to Kyle McCord sucked and in his first game (laughs) against Indiana. Now he got better as the season went on, but he was horrible in their first game. And I still keep being like, they took that over whatever the second best option was they have on the team and whatever the second best option is, that's what they're going to roll out with no experience in this game. Well, the
1: second, second best option is Devin Brown. And he, he, he has, he has played off and on and he's, he's got a lot of potential talent. I think like the thing I'll say is I, like when ohio state is in these kind of games they have they have typically done well so the i'm thinking about some of the matchups they've had with notre dame um they took out usc in the cotton bowl back in 2017 um like really like destroyed usc um they did they lost to clemson in the fiesta in 2019 so like it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I feel like Ohio State typically shows up in these bowl games. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to sell the farm on the Buckeyes yet. But um, this looks like a a. An uphill climb for them certainly if uh I, I know a lot of their big players are are out or opting out or, or transferring. So um
0: well, so so at time at the time of recording, Marvin Harrison has not opted out. He is not he's actually you know leaving the door well, open to go right, back to Ohio state. Right, because that's the thing.
2: Like he may stay at Ohio State. Like again, like
0: Which it's still ridiculous. I don't care what kind of NIL deal he could get at Ohio State, he will make more in the NFL.
2: I, I mean maybe. I'm just like, if it is like 20, I mean, again, like these guys love it in college. And if it's almost going to offer him $25 million to stay in college for like another year, I mean, these numbers are all funny money. Who knows if any of that has a shred of truth, but I mean, why not? If someone's going to give you that in an insurance cover in an insurance policy to cover future NFL earnings, why not stay for one more year? But who knows? Like, we'll I guess we'll see. I just I just want to get to the list of opt-outs here because I think it's, it's it's kind of
1: preposterous at this stage. So here we go. All right. So um, Missouri's got a, you know, they've got an injured cornerback. Maybe Um, they've got an injured running uh, linebacker who might be available. Um, But that like, they're like generally the Missouri you saw during the season is the Missouri you're going to see in this game, Ohio state transfer portal, Kyle McCord, um, Julian Fleming, who's been a really strong receiver for them the last the last few years um backup two two backup corners a uh, backup safety a, D, a backup db evan pryor who was um one of the one of the backup running backs and chip Trayanum, another backup running back um uh, mayan williams has opted out so the only running back that they have is Travion Henderson, which is, which is really all you need. Which is one with a
2: bullet, but yes, he's
1: yeah. really good. Yeah. But there's no depth there. And then Harrison, Cade Stover, the awesome uh, tight end are both question marks. And then there's a number of guys on defense um, who, who, who are question marks. Um, uh Buka has said he's in. So have a number of their, their critical D line players. Um, Henderson is is expected to come back next year, so like this is a really fascinating. Like you're gonna get you're gonna get the Missouri team you basically saw all year against a
2: total patchwork Ohio State. Um, I mean, you hear that. I mean, it's like it's there's a lot of laundry. Discuss mentioned it earlier. Missouri ought to handle them. I mean, again, but I mean the flip side is laundry. I mean, that's the thing, and so we'll see.
0: Uh, you got. And the next day is Saturday, December 30th at 11 a.m. Penn State Ole Miss at the Peach Bowl. Penn State is a three and a half point favorite.
2: This is the one where I need you to read me the opt outs for Penn State. All right. Because in addition to Manny Diaz, what's the defense situation? All right. So
0: uh, Manny Diaz took the Duke job. Um, Penn State will keep Co OCs running the show
1: for the bowl uh, game. Can we, uh, can we, I still can't believe Manny Diaz is going to be the new head coach at Duke.
0: Yeah. That's that just, wild
1: feels like a weird fit but i don't know all
0: right so here is here's the list um that i i've seen from action network opt-outs chop robinson and theo johnson and that's it oh wow christian driver christian driver is in the uh in the transfer portal harrison wallace hasn't played since week nine but both
2: these teams look but they'll have they'll have carter they'll have isaac they'll have the corners yeah Yeah, so so
1: pretty much these two teams both look like they look during the year. Um, I feel like that strongly favors Penn State, but um, we'll see. Yeah,
2: I mean, again, still Drew Aller, but uh, (laughs) so (laughs) Drew Aller against good football teams this year, not so much. Uh, But but we'll see. I mean, unless you count Iowa.
1: Hold on, Old Miss doesn't have a defense.
2: No, yeah, I know they're a good
1: they're a good offensive team. I mean,
2: they might just be able Penn State might just be able to run all over them. Yeah, and with that defense, yeah.
1: Um. This is the like, what's the over under in this game? Forty eight and a half. Forty eight and a um, half. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'd maybe go over on that, but Penn State does have a good D, so you never know. Uh, one o'clock is Auburn Maryland at the
0: Music City Bowl. Auburn is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, the over under is forty nine and a half.
1: Good. I uh, good. Quickly. Good job, Maryland. Like, this is like yes, it's the Music City Bowl, but it's December thirtieth against a a big-time opponent, like, I'm ha- I'm happy for Maryland to find themselves in this position. It's just, a great this opportunity just, for them.
2: There's two teams we beat the last time we played them. I'm happy. Just, <laughs> 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 not best not just luck- beat, John. Two
1: teams we thumped the last yeah, time that,
2: we played them. That's right. The, uh, and, I mean, again, I keep coming back to, like, I mean, Talia's going to play in this game, right? Um, and That is... The indications are yes. And for him, it's one last chance. I mean, he seems to be the guy no one ever talks about when they talk about all these NFL draft guys. And I i mean, again, of course, we had an awesome game against him. But when he's at his best, he is just absolutely phenomenal. And this would be one last chance for him to show out.
1: A couple tight ends that are out. Um, most likely their secondary is going to be uh, struggling a little bit. Because they've got a they've got um, a starter who's opted out, and then uh, two guys with pretty significant snaps who are out. Um, on the <clears> other <throat> side of the ball, like Auburn hasn't lost much, so this is this is going to be another really good bowl game because uh, like the two teams are relatively intact coming in.
2: And and what a transition into <laughs> from yeah. a game that should be a really good game to. Had kids. Had you Had kids. New Year's hide Day. Your wives.
0: <laughs> the Reliquest Bowl, uh, formerly the Outback Bowl in Tampa. You've got Wisconsin and number 13 LSU. LSU, only an eight and a half point favorite for some reason. Uh, you got the Heisman Trophy winning Jalen Daniels. Uh, Jay- starting at quarterback Jaden
2: Daniels. Jaden Daniels, over under total yards, 600. I'm going to put it right there.
1: <laughs> you know it's funny. I um I got I got too excited and I just zoomed right past this game to Iowa Tennessee. But um I'm gonna like from my perspective here here's the only thing that matters. Braylon Allen has opted out of this game. Yep. No. I don't I mean, understand how that line is in
2: eighteen and a half points. I mean yeah. Like lest we remind everyone, Wisconsin's not a good football team, and LSU. I mean they're up and down. Chris. Our friend Chris Giannini, massive LSU fan, has made us incredibly aware all season of just how bad LSU's defense is. It's not going to matter. But, but Wisconsin, and, and, yeah.
1: Not just was Wisconsin a bad football team, but anytime Braylon Allen didn't play or didn't get right. the ball enough, they looked right. awful.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's just like, just because LSU's defense has been bad doesn't mean Wisconsin's going to be able to score points on them. And Wisconsin, I mean, again, Yes, we all know the laundry factor of Wisconsin defense. You were all there. You nah. all saw what we did to this defense. Jaden nah. Daniels is going to torch this team. This, they're, they're, it's, this is wolf. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh At noon, uh, Central on ABC, Iowa, Tennessee. Tennessee, an 8.5 point favorite. The over-under, 36.5.
1: In a similar vein. All of Tennessee's cornerbacks. Are in the transfer portal, and it will not matter one yeah, was not matter.
2: I was going to say, just <laughs> just just circle some local, some Orlando area high schools and find some cornerbacks <laughs> to populate your defense, Gu- it's guys, going to be enough. Ba-
1: backup? So did you even did you guys even know that Spencer Petrus was a backup quarterback on the Iowa football team this past year? Oh my god. No. He was still on the team apparently because Amazing. he's listed here as um as in the tree he's going to Utah. He's transferring to Utah State. Um I can't believe he never got a chance to play. I did. Oh my god.
2: Honestly, like I feel bad for Tennessee because they're a very good football team and they're just going to get sucked into this Iowa quicksand along with everybody oh, yeah, else. They, it's like Tennessee, like, you're not immune. <laughs>
1: T- Tennessee, this is going to be the most like unpleasant, unfun game that you've
2: played all year long. Yep. I mean, um, y- maybe you'll win, maybe you won't, but it's going to be win ugly or lose ugly. There's no middle ground. It's
1: just gonna suck. It's yep.
0: gonna suck. Uh, it's possible Luke Lachey might come back for the game. That would be good. Uh, That'd be good for
2: him. I mean, I feel bad that he's had to miss the time. <clears throat> But, yeah, I mean, it's still, like, it's not like they were (laughs) throwing darts when he was there. (laughs) Right, right.
0: And then the last game featuring a Big Ten team uh, is also the Rose Bowl, the semifinal of the college football playoff, Alabama and Michigan. Michigan, a a one-and-a-half point favorite. This is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I'm not quite sure. Like, Michigan's defense is really good. To, but Alabama has, you know, as bad as they looked early in the season, they've looked that much better at the back end of the season, except for, like, the stinker they put up against Auburn. So, like, what Alabama team are you getting here?
1: It's I mean, it, This is such a, a fascinating matchup because it's I, – I don't – the only time I think we've seen these teams play is when um, – or at least I've seen these teams play is, is during a period where Michigan was really down and Alabama was at the peak of their powers, and they just – they just obliterated the Wolverines two years in a row. I think I think they opened the season in Dallas one year, and it was like a 30-point victory for, for Alabama. Um, but yeah, it, this is like, it's fascinating. And, you know, M- M- Michigan has looked like they're hol- like kind of holding on for dear life the last um, three or four weeks. I mean, they, they handled Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, but against Ohio State, against Penn State, against Maryland last three three weeks of the season like it was it was um nerve-wracking i think for for michigan fans for the most part whereas um alabama has like i but zombie uh, alabama has has risen up
2: and uh, and i don't know of the three teams that you just mentioned that michigan played to end the season scuzz i forget did they poop all over themselves and then only win because they converted a 4th and 31 in any of those games? Because I don't think I remember that. Uh, this whole Fair. thing, again, it's like... It's I'll like, also
1: say, like, um, Milrow is better than any quarterback that Michigan has seen in weeks.
2: I've, I, I mean, I well, guess... Well, I guess
1: maybe not Talia,
2: but still. I mean, I guess if if he's on. I mean, this is the whole thing. It's like this whole, like... If you strictly look from a football standpoint, it's like, I mean, Florida State—they're off. I mean, Florida State's defense has been a metronome of consistency all season. You know that defense is going to be sweet. If this was Florida State in this game, I'd be like, "Well, God, Florida State might score zero points, but maybe that means that this is just a super low-scoring game because their defense is awesome." Alabama might be good, or they just might not show up at all. What if it's the Jalen Milrow who got benched for a lacrosse player earlier this season? Or what if it's just the Alabama that was, effort? That, that they,
1: was such a knee jerk reaction to the loss to Texas, though. Like I can't. But I, like, but I mean, I and the,
2: but I mean, like they literally were. What are we still like two weeks away from when they should have lost to a horrible Auburn team? What if they just don't show up in this game and Michigan just thumps them? Like I mean, this Saban's is, not going to let them not show up. It's the player. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, and, I know.
1: And and, but, and so, like Iron Bowl, like you you can't like those rivalry games are so bonkers. So like. Every game before that, 66-10 over Chattanooga, 49-21 over Kentucky, 48-28 over over that good LSU team, 34-20 over Tennessee. I mean they like they struggled a little bit with Arkansas and A&M kind of middle of the year, but the back half of the season minus their their like rivalry game which is like notably historically bonkers of a game. They kicked the shit out of everybody, including Georgia. I mean, the only one like three well, yeah. is Georgia, well, the, they and that's what they, the shit out of Georgia.
2: They get so much credit for that Georgia game when Georgia's two best offensive skill position players were incredibly hurt the entire game. I'm just saying, to me, this whole game's about Michigan. Michigan should be the best team in the country. And they, like, I'm no lover of Michigan, but to me, I'm just like, Michigan's better everywhere compared to Alabama. And that's not to say Alabama's sliced bread, but... I think Michigan is is the better team, and I think they're I mean, going to show I, out. I
1: like we called it at the beginning of the year. I think Georgia was a paper tiger on offense, like given, yeah, turn, you know, yeah. quarterback, etc. I mean, like that. The, the, the here's the thing. Like when Michigan has, I th- I think the Penn State game is the perfect marker for this. For this matchup with Alabama, this is this is not like Ohio State Michigan. This is like Michigan Penn State, and the. Like, how much Michigan struggled against that defense, to me, that's that's the whole game. If, if they are able to be creative through the running game, whether it's with McCarthy or the running backs and the way they're attacking Alabama's defense and have success with it, I think they can win this game. And if they struggle there, it's going to... It's gonna come down to uh to a Jalen Miller deep deep bomb. Can he connect on a couple deep bombs for touchdowns during the course of the game?
2: Yeah. I mean I'm just like to like I think to me at this point, I'm like, right, like Alabama, they've been trick or treat. I mean, they again they took a big loss, they should have lost another game where I'm like, Yeah, Michigan had a couple close games, but none of us think that Michigan should have a loss on their resume, right? Like they're they won every game because they should have won every game, like I mean the whole, the whole cheating thing is is ridiculous but the fact that I mean this team is just stacked on both sides of the ball and they play great and I'm just like I mean at this point I think that they should be the number it's their national title to lose and I you know to me again I think if they just play their game that's enough.
0: What do you make of Texas Washington?
2: I I mean again like I it, it's it's all so crazy because I think Texas legit deserved to get in. I mean, I think Texas should be playing Michigan, and I think Florida State should be playing Washington. But I think there's no doubt that Texas deserved to be in. I think they're one of the four best teams, and they've got Ewers. And, I mean, it's an awesome game, right? Ewers versus Penix in what you hope is just going to be a shootout. I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's just great football. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm psyched.
1: I am hoping so there's 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 kind of like you look at Penix's first half of the season and his second half of the season and they they are very, very different from one another. And he, he did not look great down down the stretch. Now, he had, you know, that epic game against to, to beat Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship, the epic game to beat them midseason. You wonder now, and granted, you know, they had to play USC, Utah and Oregon State three weeks in a row and then play their their rival in another historically bonkers rivalry game, the Apple Cup against Washington yeah. State. Right. So like they, their last five weeks have been like preposterously difficult. Um, there's a theory that that Penix has been nursing something he hasn't been totally healthy um, that frankly aligns with his career. And I think if he has three weeks off before coming into this game, I don't think this game's cl- and, and he's, and he's totally healthy. I don't think this game is close because I think Washington's defense is head and shoulders above Texas. And I think a healthy Penix is, I'm not, not head and shoulders, but is like solidly above yours. And I think they have more weapons and I think they run away with it. Now if he's not healthy.
2: All bets are off. I would love to see it. I mean, I'm also so... I mean, there's there's that thing that... I mean, it's so close. So far away, yet so close. But I think there's definitely a piece of me too that's like... We know Penix is gone after this season. I think their running back is going to be gone after this season. I'm sure there are a bunch of other pa- other pieces. The reason I'm saying this is you can almost get to the point where you can count on one hand the amount of games until we're going to play this team. <laughs> and I'm like, how many pieces of this number two team in the country are still going to be there when we go to Seattle? I don't know. Obviously not, not the hugest ones, not Penix certainly, but Um, there's definitely going to be that part of me that's going to be watching this game and being like, all right, so, like, what pieces of this team that we're watching here are going to be here when we go out and play this team? Georgia-Florida State in the
0: neither-one-of-us-wants-to-be-here Orange Bowl.
2: (laughs) I know, it sucks. I'm just like, what a bummer. Um, I mean, what a bummer for Florida State. Georgia, whatever, you lost. Um, But the... I mean the the interesting thing about that to me mainly is if i'm i'm very curious like like Bowers like why would Bowers play in this game like has he has he opted out i don't know like i like this guy's playing on a bum wheel and is a potential top 5 NFL draft pick like why in god's name would he play in this game
0: uh, all right let's let's take a look um transfer portal for Georgia he's about to sneeze <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's a long list. Yeah. Okay. Uh transfer portal for Georgia. Um Austin blasky backup offensive lineman, uh wide receiver, backup QB, uh punt returner, Marvin Jones Junior, even I mean, not any major names here, but yeah, like not yet. So I mean if, a huge list of potential opt outs to
2: watch. Well that's the thing too. Um, like I mean I think of um uh, McConkie and and of course most importantly Bowers were Bowers. really hurt in the SEC championship game. I mean really hurt, and we're trying to play through it, and that had a huge impact on the game. If those guys are in and they're healthy, particularly Bowers, that obviously makes a huge difference. Um, but I mean, if they're not, I think Florida State's defense is better than Alabama's defense. Florida State's defense is unbelievable. Wow, and- that,
1: like like sign sign Georgia up as another qu- another team that has one quarterback with experience and that's Carson Beck and he's he's also prominently featured on that potential opt-out watch like if he, if he opts out they've got I mean v- v- Vandy Griff's already in the in the in the portal you're looking at Gunnar Stockton um, who was six of nine for the year so nice completion percentage but um, and then uh, they had a wide receiver throw a pass so like I like, get like again if the, starting, if, the, if the guy that played QB most of the year isn't playing like they are in deep caca against that Florida State defense.
2: Here's, here's the other X factor in this game to me is I know neither of these teams want to be here. But we're talking about Florida State University and we're talking about Florida State University football fans. If Florida State wins this game... They are going to go find the one publication that will declare them national championships, and they're and they're going to hang that effing banner. Oh, you don't so, think
1: Mike? You don't think Mike Norvell is talking that up in the locker room r- right now, right? Because right. like you you look at the you look at the list for Florida State. They they got a they got put but a couple of transfer portal guys like their their offensive tackle Bless Harris might be out. Um, M- Malcolm Ray, on, on DT is is transferring. Um, and they've got a, a handful of opt-outs, but, like, it doesn't look like as big or as potentially daunting as Georgia. And you know that they're effing pissed. Oh,
2: they're going to beat yeah. – they want to beat Georgia and claim this national title for, <laughs> until the end of time. Like, they'll 100% do that. UCF did that. You think Florida State won't do that? Give me a break. Uh, they already believe they should be there. So, And, you know, they'll have – if they want to hang that banner, they will have the broad backing of the nation – Supporting them to be like Yeah and put put a picture Of Kirk Herbstreet wearing a clown nose On the banner when you hang it up Like the nation's behind you go ahead
0: Well and not, not just the nation but like I mean the Florida AG is suing right. the, the CFP You know the governors Like whatever Like uh, all Florida politics is Going to like Speak at the top of their voices that They want that they have won the national championship So it's just going to be annoying
2: but we'll see. So, I mean, like, obviously, it's still Georgia. Like, they've, yeah. you got, and you got to start Tate Rodemaker and beat Georgia. So, it's long odds. But, but you know, if, like I said, if things break the right way, if they're fired up and that defense shows up, maybe they win a low scoring game. Oregon State Notre Dame is going to be a fun one. The uh, Sun
0: Bowl. Sam Hartman out. Yeah. Riley Leonard, Can uh, that, Riley like, Leonard just, Riley Leonard in. That,
1: that, like, Sam Hartman out is all he needed to say. Much like Wisconsin, like, Notre Dame is not right. up to par with Oregon State without Hartman.
2: And is DJU going to play um, for Oregon State? Uh, he's in the portal, so oh, who knows? Okay, yeah, that's right. So I guess we'll we'll see. I mean, that's a weird one again. If it's like two backup quarterbacks in that oh, game. Oh nope,
0: it, it's so DJU is transferring. The backup is transferring. It confirmed that the starting quarterback for uh, Oregon State is going to be Ben Gilbranson. Oh man, I'm like
1: he, so. But this dude started the final eight games of 2022. True. Whereas on okay. the Notre Dame side, you've got you've got Hartman opting out, and I I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Like
2: I think I think the I think the. The backup for Notre Dame should get to be Riley Leonard, but the starter has to be Tyler Buckner wearing his lacrosse uniform. That's what I think it has
0: to
1: be, <laughs> or or Drew Pine, who's also coming back. I mean, <gasps> that's crazy. St- st- Steve Angeli threw twenty five passes this year. Um, they actually have like a bit more experience than anybody than anybody else. Um, now, like most of those passes were against Tennessee State, but st- you know. Um, He's he's a sophomore. Like like that's that's probably what's going to happen if Estime their running back opts out, uh, which is which is very possible. Um, I mean, I just
2: it is a bummer. I mean, like everything you said earlier about the Bulls makes perfect sense. But I mean, this could be DJU versus Sam Hartman. You know what I mean? And I know, like, right? It could be it
1: could be, be really good, and it's not going to be, which is unfortunate. But hey, hey, guess what? Crazy shit happens in Son- in El Paso, so. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so I'm told.
0: Uh, Arizona, Oklahoma could be fun. NC State, K State could be fun. Um, yeah. Any, any other games? Kind of leaping off the page. I mean, Louisville's gonna wax
1: Southern Cal. Um, I assume Oregon is gonna have a number of opt outs. Um, I uh, against Liberty. Yeah. Let's see before I before I say something here. Um... Oh,
0: uh, well, not that many. I mean, they're looks like they're starting center and hey,
1: but uh, Bo, Bo Nix is playing, and that's probably what matters. Like, let's go Ducks! Yeah, smoke those fools. I don't, I don't want Liberty going to any, you know, to go into the Oral, Oral Roberts Times and claiming a national championship as fourteen and zero.
2: Let's, I mean, so I guess the let's Birmingham nip that Bull, in the butt, the Birmingham Bowl. I mean, again, like lots of things change, but I mean, it's Duke. With this change, I mean, I guess Manny Diaz hasn't arrived yet. But I mean, I'm literally like, there's literally a part of me that's like, like we play Duke like three games from now. So like I'm already like kind of have one eye on the future here. But I don't know, a game like that. No,
1: nothing about Duke in this game is going to be indicative of what we're going to see yes. no, next you're, year. You're
2: you're, you're right. <laughs>
0: While Manny Diaz won't be on the sideline, ESPN will probably interview him in the entire game. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> that's hey, Tro- true. Troy fans, gird yourself. <laughs> Yeah, give him, give him the Brian heart That's treatment. true, but
2: Duke's not an SEC school, so I don't know if you'll have to endure quite that much. Um, Louisville, uh, USC, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, there is definitely a part of me that I so want Louisville to win this game, and I so want it to be like Lincoln Riley being an, an NFL, clearly an NFL coordinator, moonlighting as a college football coach and getting it done because of the numbers and the schemes and everything versus... Jeff Brom, who's just a true blue, just the guy was put on earth to be a college football coach and be great at the job. And it's like, you know, Lincoln's working with exponentially more talent and performing a lot worse. And part of that's the defense. But I mean, it's about running a whole program. And Brom's just so good. I would love to see him pull off this win. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, it's a USC home game, so.
0: Well, could we briefly talk about Southern Cal uh, hiring the North Dakota State head coach to be their linebackers coach?
1: Yeah. Well, I, a... I mean, should we let's finish the bowl conversation? Like, Kayla Williams is sure. out. I, yep. I, like USC home game means nothing. Um, Louisville's got pretty much everyone.
2: Oh, it's a huge game for Louisville. I mean, and, and San Diego is an awesome place to to travel to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure for Louisville. I mean, they had a magical season. I mean, phenomenal season, and they're you know they lost the ACC championship game. Like w- w-
1: Williams is out. Brendan Rice is out. Marshawn Lloyd is out. Like like, and I'm and I'm like these are opt outs. They're they're not playing.
2: And USC wasn't good. So. There's, there's
1: <laughs> there, like one of their starting O linemen missed the last game and is probably not playing. Jarrett Kingston. Um, this is a dramatically different USC team than the one you saw during the year, which also went seven and five. Um, right. Go cards. Yeah. Um. Yes, we can talk right, about their I mean, linebackers coach now.
0: Okay.
2: Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, it was just uh, Matt Entz from North Dakota State going and coaching USC's linebackers, which is mainly notable because he was certainly a name on the list of a potential DC hire. And in so many ways, checked so many boxes as a potential Northwestern DC hire that when he went to North Dakota state, all our minds immediately went to like bronze got to know who his guy is because if his guy's not Entz, it's gotta be because he's already got someone lined up. Now we don't know that for sure, but I mean, I'm just like, I, yeah, I,
1: I, I don't, I don't describe to that theory as much as you do, John, just like, it's. I think there's a lot of variables there. Um, it is. I I will admit that it is weird on his face that ends is going to a linebacker job at FBS as opposed to a head coach or uh, coordinator. Coordinator. Job yeah. At, right. At FBS. I mean,
2: and it could be that it, at the end of the day, it means nothing. It was just certainly a very weird situation. That's for sure. But yeah, I'm scrolling through the rest of these bowls. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm, go Howard. Within the celebration bowl. Yeah, that'd be great. Um,
0: UCLA UCLA Boise State is gonna be, is interesting just because you know, Chip Chip Kelly's job is just yeah, the seat is really hot. Boise State, you know, just hired their interim coach to be their full time coach. I dunno. Yeah, I don't know. I got, a, I got a soft spot in my heart for Boise State.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still not sure whether Chip Kelly being the coach of UCLA is good as they come into the Big Ten or not. Like, I have no idea. I mean, I still think of, like you said, Chip's tenuous, so probably better that he's there than not. But yeah, Uh, I don't know.
1: I'm going to tell you guys that walk-on Colt Fulton is going to start at quarterback for Boise State. Okay. Uh, the world,
2: okay. the portal world that we live in. My God. They, yeah. They're, they're, this they're, this this is not tenable long term. Bo- Boise's
1: Boise's starting QB has committed to Arkansas, and their backup Maddox Madsen is out for the season with injury. So Woof. walk on Colt Fulton. Um, and on the other side, let's see. Dante Moore, quarterback, is uh, in the portal. Um, Ethan Garbers will likely be available after suffering an injury in coach in week 13. Uh, they got some coaching changes, but I don't know. We'll see the, the, and then their stud defensive lineman, um, uh, Leitu Latu is, uh, opted out for the game. So I, you know, some a, a pretty big losses on both sides, but, um, don't love the idea of a, uh, walk on QB trying to knock off. UCLA in a bowl game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Any any other games
0: that are, are really speaking to you? Uh, you know, we'll you have a chance to kind of look at them all as we get uh, into the bowl challenge. Uh, bowl games start this weekend, uh, Saturday the sixteenth. So you know, get your get your picks in uh, as soon as you can. Um, all of the information is on our website at westlawpirates.com. All of the information will be on our Twitter feed, uh, at Westlaw pirates. So jump on in. Uh, it's, it's a good time. We got a good crowd already and I would love to see as many people in there as possible. So anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys?
2: No, by the time we check in next week, um, for our bowl preview, we'll already be in the middle of the top 50. So again, look for that at 11 AM on Monday. And then again, it'll be going, um, every half hour. Um, 10 spots a day for all the five days. And we'll run through um, the the top 50 plays of the season. It was a lot of fun, like I said, to put this together. We think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So be looking for that. And we'll check in kind of in the middle of all that.
0: Uh, So with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, where You can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And email the show westlottpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.